so it is in our seeking to follow Christ. For so many, when we find that we cannot reach the top with everything that we hold in our hands, we let the top go and settle down in the plain. Better we understood why we wouldn't follow Christ than that we made an abortive beginning only to find that we would never reach the top. For his demands are clear and his invitation is wonderful. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we'll continue our study here in Luke chapter 14 as Alistair Begg explains to us the true cost of discipleship, but what is truly gained when we discover the wonders and the majesty of the glory of the God who has saved us. Stay tuned for that message. You won't want to miss the conclusion today. But first, we're joined once again by Greg Gilbert talking about how to read the Bible and understand God's Word. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. All week long, we've been talking with Greg Gilbert, who's the author of a new book called The Epic Story of the Bible. Epic meaning that it deals with these overarching themes all the way from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, His one primary author, the Bible, is 66 books, but the Holy Spirit is the author of all of them, disclosing to us the wonders and the majesty of who God is, as well as showing us the themes of salvation and how it's worked out through the work of Christ, all the way promised back in in Genesis and ultimately in Revelation, the scene of the completion of that redemption as we see a new heaven and a new earth where Christ rules and reigns, and we rule and reign with him for all eternity. It certainly is a a wonderful book, Uh, not just this book, the epic story of the Bible, but the Bible itself. And Greg, a lot of our listeners, they, they love the Word of God. That's why they tune into the broadcast on a regular basis, because they want to get deeper into the Scriptures. In fact, many of our listeners have probably read through the Bible in its entirety more than I've been around. More, more They've probably spent more time in Scripture than I've been alive. I mean, there's just there's some that have spent so much time in the Word of God. So for our uh, our most avid listeners, what sort of advice do you have for them on how to go back to the scriptures even now and find new things and new new expressions and new ways to discover the 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 immeasurable wonder of who God is? Yeah, I'd say never stop learning. You know, pick up a pick up a commentary on a book that you've you've not read before. Yeah, we all have our favorite ones, right? If if we use commentaries, but pick up one you've never read before. I, I picked up one by I'm not going to say his name or the book or anything, but I picked up one when I was preaching Revelation recently, and I, this is the second time I've preached through Revelation. Uh, I did it eight or nine years ago, but I just decided to pick up this guy that I'd never read before, and I found his stuff so fascinating. He he didn't convince me of very much, you know. I, like I didn't end up agreeing with him on on much, a little bit. But man, it, it was just stimulating. I could just, you know, it 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 solidified things in my mind. I learned other things. I, you know, interpreted them differently than he did, and it was just so fun to to just just listen to this guy try to teach about Revelation, even though I didn't end up agreeing with him very much. Hmm. What about for our listeners who are challenged by reading the Bible and they feel like uh, for every every inch they go, they're a mile behind? What kind of advice do you have for them? Yeah, I really would say try to find a copy of the Story of Redemption Bible. Um, it is it is literally meant, you know, if you want to go back to the 
Mount Everest trek thing. It's literally meant for me uh, to be your Sherpa guide through the Bible. You know, I'm going to point out the mountains. I'm going to point out the food that you shouldn't eat, right? You know, because that would be a mistake. I'm going to point out all kinds of stuff. And uh, it's it's just so good to have a guide on a big trek like that. So Story of Redemption Bible, I'd say try to find one of those. Yeah, I think it's a great resource, but uh, there's also this, there's there's something special about taking those first few steps. And there's something oh, else yeah. also really rewarding about it. When you start absolutely. to see things you've never seen before, uh, they propel you forward, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and the, the, the fun part of it is that Genesis is so packed full. Mm-hmm. You know, Genesis is like the acorn from which all the themes launch. Mm-hmm. So you can see them everywhere. Um, uh, it gets a little more difficult as you go on, <laughs> you know, uh, but then the, the story starts to pick up steam again uh, in in numbers and Joshua judges. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, one interesting thing to realize is that by the time you get to the end of Second Kings, which is not that far, you've actually read the entire story of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. You've, you've read it from start to finish, from creation to you know, 586 BC, you're, you're done at the end of second Kings. Everything that comes after that is just commentary on, on the story. Hmm. So if so that's encouraging to me, right? Like you don't have to read the whole thing to get the whole story, read through second Kings and you're done. Yeah. You know, there's only so much time that we're having, especially for pastors on a Sunday morning. Uh, if I could preach verse by verse from Genesis to Revelation, I would do it. But there's so much. Uh, our goal is to get people to yeah. eat this book, and that cannot be provided solely from a pastor in a, a 30-minute sermon. Uh, our right. listeners and uh, your readers, they need to be doing this on their own. Yeah, no, they, yeah absolutely. I tell my people, uh, especially uh, all the time, but especially when we're in the Old Testament, read the text in advance. Hmm. And if you have time, even go read a read a commentary, you know, on on the text, so that you're primed to listen, and you'll have your own questions in your mind that will keep like, what's up with Elisha killing those kids with that bear, right? You'll have your own questions in your head that kind of keep you on the edge of the seat to see if I'm going to answer it. Whereas if you're if if you're unprimed, you're uninterested. Uh, and it's much easier to check out. So I tell my people, read it in advance, be confused. That's great. Come in and I'll be able to answer some of your questions about it. We've been talking with Greg Gilbert. His book is called The Epic Story of the Bible, How to Read and Understand God's Word. And I think it's addressing a very important question that quite honestly, I think a lot of people are too afraid to ask and say, I I don't even know where to begin. Uh, This is a great resource, and it would be great for Bible studies as well as small groups. So if you're interested, let us know, and we'll make sure that we can get you some more information about the book. But Greg, I can't thank you enough. A great resource, a great conversation. Thanks for being a part of the many voices for that one message. Yeah, thanks, brother. If you would like to find out more information about Greg Gilbert and his book, The Epic Story of the Bible, How to Read and Understand God's Word, you can find out more information by giving us a call 508-362-7070 or head over to our website at songtime.com. A great resource and one that I commend to you, not only for how it teaches the Word of God and and ties together all those main themes, but also just for the readability and the the personalizing of the story, Uh, obviously from Greg talking about his own experience, uh, hiking up to the base camp at Mount Everest. And speaking about mountains, that's actually going to be an illustration today from uh, Alistair Beck as we continue our study here in Luke chapter 14. We think about the 
the mountains and the, the challenge of getting God's word into our heart and also the challenge of, of growing in, in our sanctification, uh, becoming more like Christ and the, the struggles that we all face, the leaving things behind. To get to the peak of the mountain, you cannot take everything with you. There's an old sort of uh, bumper sticker that says, those who die with the most toys win. But the truth is, when you die, you don't take any of your toys with you. And the accumulation of things often takes things that are the most valuable away from you. In fact, the more that you have, the more you have to uh, manage, the more things you have to spend your time keeping up with and and managing all of the resources that you have. And that can take valuable time and energy away from things that are eternal in value. That is what we're called to invest ourselves in, into the things that are eternal. And in today's message from Alistair Beck, we'll talk about how to truly deny ourselves and gain something far greater as we invest in something that cannot be taken away from us. Here is Alistair Beck. Stories told of a group that were climbing Mont Blanc. The Swiss guide met with the group that was going up the mountain the following morning and informed them that if they came on this venture with him, they should come uh, wearing the absolute minimum, bringing only an ice axe and some ropes, and he would determine exactly what it was they should carry. A young Englishman who was present raised his hand and said, I've been looking forward to this climb for a long time, and uh, actually I'm planning on bringing a variety of things with me. I'm going to be bringing some photographic equipment. I have some blankets because I want to stop and have a picnic along the way. I've got some large, large lumps of cheese and significant bars of chocolate. The guide said to him, well, if you're planning on bringing all of that, then you must go alone because you will not reach the top with all that clutter. Well, the young man said, yes, I think I can go to the top uh, still with it all. And he sets out from the room and leaves before the rest of the group the following morning. And as the Swiss guide leads them up the mountainside, they start to come on the guy's stuff. Camera lenses, blankets, cheese, chocolate. And eventually they find him at the top, boots, ropes, ice axe, nothing else. And then the man who used the illustration on the first instance said, and so it is in our seeking to follow Christ. He comes and says to us, you cannot come to the top with everything you're holding in your hands. We say, yes, we'll try it. He says, on your own. And then he says, the tragedy is that for so many, when we find that we cannot reach the top with everything that we hold in our hands, we let the top go and settle down in the plane. And the plane is so very full of tents. It's Oxenham's poem, really, isn't it? To every man there openeth a way and a ways and a way. And the high soul treads the high road, and the low soul gropes the low. And in between on the misty flats, the rest drift to and fro. God save us from drifting in the flats. Better we understood why we wouldn't follow Christ than that we made an abortive beginning only to find that we would never reach the top, for his demands are clear and his invitation is wonderful. How many of you read Shadow of the Almighty by Jim Elliot? The absence of the reading of missionary biography is a significant lack in our contemporary Christianity. Nobody reads of these people, therefore they don't know what they did. They don't realize that there actually was a generation before, successive generations that took seriously some of the things that Jesus was saying about living for him and dying for him. It's 1956. I was four. You can figure out what age you were. Jimmy Elliott and his friends had gone down into the heart of uh, Ecuador's rainforest. 
They were down on the banks of the Kareri River. They had made a makeshift landing strip. Nate Saint was flying in and out of that along with others. They had, by means of uh, some gifts and gaily colored things, attracted some of these strange people, whom we now know to be the Aukas, out of the jungle, and they had, came, uh, they had come and taken some of this stuff, and they had scurried away back into the jungle again. And they had arranged that they would meet some of these people if they would come back. And they waited for most of the day, and nobody came. Eventually, Nate Saint took his plane up, went and flew over part of the jungle, and he finally landed the plane again, got out of the plane, and he said, that's it, guys. He shouted as the piper bounced onto the beach. They're on their way. Ten of them now coming through uh, the equatorial rainforest. Nate's wife was informed by the radio of the expected contact and was asked to stand by again at 4.30 in the afternoon. With lunch over, the men buried them, busied themselves, fixing up a miniature jungle, a model house in the sand, with the intention of demonstrating to these people how to build an airstrip should they be interested enough to want the white men to come and live among them. And then the five missionaries sang together, as they had so often done, spontaneously and joyously, We rest on thee, our shield and our defender. Thine is the battle, thine shall be the praise. When passing through the gates of pearly splendor, victors, we rest with thee through endless days. And committing themselves and all their carefully laid plans to him who had so unmistakably brought them thus far, they waited for the Aukas. And before 4.30 that afternoon, the quiet waters of the Kareri River flowed over the bodies of the five men, slain by the men they had come to win for Christ, whose banner they had borne. The world called it a nightmare of tragedy. The world did not recognize the truth of the second clause in Jim Elliot's credo, written seven years earlier, when a student in Wheaton College, he's no fool who gives what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. Let's pray together. We may not know and we cannot tell what pains he had to bear, But we believe it was for us that he hung and suffered there. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that in speaking in this way, you're not calling people to a level of life that you yourself would not live, to face a death that you would be unprepared to die, to discover the path of obedience that you were unprepared to walk, and to enter into all of the joy of resurrection, which you were then to share. Stir up our hearts by way of pure remembrance tonight, and as we marvel at the immensity of your love, draw us to Christ and afresh to Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. All of these stories that we're going to be exploring in these weeks leading up to the cross, all the way from when we saw in chapter 9 Jesus turning his face towards Jerusalem, they all deal with this central theme of valuing things that are eternal versus things that are going to pass away. We can see that very clearly in the story last week when we looked in chapter 10 with Mary and Martha. Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, taking in every word, really hanging on every word that Jesus was saying, really absorbing the the lessons and the, the, the teaching of Jesus. That is eternal. The word of the Lord endures forever. Where Martha is busy in the kitchen, all of the things that she's going to do are going to pass. You know, you make food, you're going to have to make more food tomorrow because the food today is not going to be sufficient for tomorrow. Well, that is the reality. Where Martha was focused on the temporal, Mary was focused on the eternal. And Jesus says she has chosen the one thing that is necessary. Uh, All of the other things are not going to provide salvation. They're not going to be eternal, but this is going to provide something eternal. And he says, this will not be taken away from her. And that is the joy of, of 
taking and focusing in on things that last. This is the theme we'll see all throughout this whole story. And as Jesus is telling us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow him, he's saying, seek first the kingdom of God. We saw that in Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, don't store up your treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupts, but store them up in heaven where no moth and rust corrupts and no thief can break in and steal. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these other things will be added to you. The truth is, when you put your priorities on the things that matter for eternity, you will not lose the other things that God has blessed you with. When we think about family, Jesus saying, forsake your family, and he said in chapter 9, those who have to go and bury their parents have, have no part in the kingdom of God. He's saying, if you're so caught up in this world, you are not serving your family. You're not actually serving your loved ones because they are eternal. The best way to serve everyone in your life is to seek first God, his righteousness, and his kingdom. And in that way, advancing the good news of salvation for all who believe. I hope that this is encouraging you as much as it's encouraged me and us here at Songtime. If we have, we would love to hear from you. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Luke 14, 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. 